Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, are two men who got kicked out of the Sierra program for insisting on code name Sierra Mist, Chris Frodell. I got nothing. <laughs> yes. And Shane Beauregard. Mambo Vipi Voilani to Fanya Heavy. That is <laughs> for is our that new... Swahili? Yes, it is. That is for our Shut new... I... <laughs> Tanzanian listeners. We have several listeners from Tanzania. So that is my. I did not know that. <laughs> That's a Tempest Swahili. That's a good guess. <laughs> God damn. This is going to get weird. Uh, it's already getting weird. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. This is a, a massive episode. Massive. We were, we were waiting on this one, man. This is just woo, heavy homework weekend for us with. Uh, later on this show, we're going to do the Netflix original movie, The Gray Man, starring Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, and Ana de Armas. But up top, we will do our recent activity, kicking off with... Nope. All right, let's start off with the third film from writer-director Jordan Peele. That is Nope, starring Daniel Kaluuya as O.J. Haywood. Alongside Kiki Palmer as Emerald Haywood, Stephen Yun as Ricky Jupe Park, Brandon Perea as Angel, Michael Wincott as Antlers Hoist, and Keith David, my man, as Otis Haywood Sr., uh, a movie about two siblings who run a California horse ranch who discovers something wonderful and sinister in the skies above while the owner of an adjacent theme park tries to profit from the mysterious otherworldly phenomenon. Uh, like I mentioned, this is Jordan Peele. This was our number one most anticipated film when we did our uh, top 10 most anticipated for the summer. Right, guys? It was either it one was or two. It was either one or two. I think it was one because I'm trying to think of the other ones, but I think it was number one. I, I know we've all kind of talked off air about how much we like or what order we like the uh, Jordan Peele movies. And I think we can start there in a minute just after I kind of maybe go over some score stuff. But I think that's a good way to kind of shuffle into this because there was high expectations going into this movie, especially when you consider some of the scores that came out over the weekend, such as, say, an 83 Rotten Tomatoes score. That's pretty high. The 76 Metascore 7.6 IMDb, 71% Rotten Tomato audience score, and a 4.0 on Letterboxd. Kind of seeing it tip the scales to where critical minds are more enjoying this film rather than, say, uh, the audience as a whole on this one. And I think I have a good amount of theories on that, the slant on that. But first, I kind of want to uh, pause it to you guys. Shane, I'll start with you. Where do you stand with Jordan Peele? Because I believe we are very much had this in our number one. And and for good reason. I mean, Get Out and Us were big phenomenons. Um, and it's an amazing start to his career. So where do you sit with Jordan Peele as a whole? I, I love the man. And I think we're on the same boat where we enjoyed Us more than Get Out. I believe that's correct, right? Correct. Yep. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I, I, man, I was so looking forward to this film and... I I felt bad after because I'm like, man, I feel underwhelmed. 
as a whole. Like it's again, it's not a horror movie. It's a straight sci-fi movie. I enjoyed it for what it was, but I think we discussed off here too. I I, I don't want to have to go to articles and YouTube videos to try to like fill in the gaps of like metaphorically or allegorically what he was trying to get at. And right. I took it as on face value. I love the performances. I love Kiki Palmer. I mean, I, this movie was good. I like the fact that the UFO was actually an entity of its own. It was actually alive, which was a little different for me when I found that yeah. out. I look like a portobello mushroom. Can you agree did. with that? Yeah, absolutely. Especially <laughs> at the end when it kind of opened yeah. up a little bit. Um, yeah. I, uh, but I was underwhelmed is the one word I would say. I, I was just underwhelmed. It, I did not like it as much as I thought I'd like it. And after the fact, I kept reading reviews. I'm like, are they just, they don't want to come down on Jordan Peele for this movie. Like I, it's definitely third in his filmography so far for me. Um, but I'll bounce off whatever you guys have to say next. But over my one word is underwhelmed. And Chris, I, I know you were a yes. fan as well, but I think you had the reverse order. You're more of a get out over us person. Yes. But one of the things in both of those movies is that Jordan Peele is known for kind of layering in a lot of subtext and kind of giving you different looks in terms of the movie, different things to think about while also being quite entertaining. Did you feel that way about this film? After seeing it? No, uh, as I said to you guys, I seem to uh, feel this was more of a straightforward story. I, I couldn't look too deep into it. Only afterward, when you start talking about the movie, do you kind of like pick certain things from it and uh, get a deeper discussion. But overall, I looked at it as a straightforward story. It's not as layered as Get Out. Get Out had so many layers to it. Uh, as I said to you guys, uh, Jordan Peele is a technical director who just has this uh, way of unfolding a story and keeping the viewers uh, interested, you know, whether it be a straight story or uh, something of uh, a little more substance. Yeah, amazing cinematography. I think that's part of what you're saying in terms of his technical stuff. Shout oh, out yeah. to Hoyt Van Hoytema. Uh, the cinematographer on this one and the music I thought is also very good because one of the sneaky things about this movie that you wouldn't get from the trailer is that this is very Western, mm -hmm. especially as you get yep. into the, the last third of the movie, it very much turns into a Western with how they kind of take charge of kind of, it's just a, it's almost like a one-on-one -on -one fight at one point with, you know, against the alien with uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character, OJ, as well. Um, so that I actually appreciated quite a bit. Uh, I thought the music was a little better in maybe Us, because I think it just stands out a little bit more. But when there's some like yeah. big-time horse rides in this and it really kicks in, I was like, oh, my God, check out this score. It like really popped out at times. So I agree with you that this is incredibly well-constructed. The performances are very good. The aspects of the alien stuff I was less interested in. And mm -hmm. uh, some of the subtext, we kind of talked about it off air where I felt like I had to do a little more thinking, a little more homework this time to kind of see what he was doing. But kind of the thing that I've, I've said a lot is movies shouldn't have to be homework to enjoy the main plot, like the a plot. If you want to put it as, you know, stuff in the background, that's fine. But, 
they should be kind of window dressing that makes you appreciate the window. It should be a garnish. It should be something to add flavor versus something that should be, you know, kind of what your movie is. And this movie, I thought it explored a lot in terms of turning trauma into spectacle and profit. You know, when it talks about, you know, Steven Yeun's character and Gordy and the siblings experience with the aliens and and how they handle that, especially after the death of their father. And it also explores kind of the Hollywood system, especially maybe from the black perspective, um, you know, with how they chew you up and spit you out if you let them. Uh, but if you just keep your head down, wink, wink, uh, you live to see another day until you figure out how to take it down or make it work for you. And that was really kind of what I took from it. But I also didn't take that initially. And I also don't think it's very obvious where I I think after I saw this movie, a lot of people came out of the movie a little kind of shaking their heads or they weren't that enthused, where even if something like us didn't fully appeal to you, the tension and the horror in that, especially in the middle of that movie, is just so engrossing that it'll be like, oh, I need to take a shower or need to look both ways before right. crossing the street, you know, make sure I don't have a doppelganger attacking me. Um, you know, <laughs> so there's a lot going on there. And, and he was more obvious with, you know, something like us, where it's like you got the Chud posters on the wall or, you know, the videotapes or whatever in the background. Yep. He put his all his influences on his sleeve and really put it out there. And the performances in there were outstanding. But yeah, this one I still feel is like his, is, is three out of, uh, th- you know, third place, you know, mm-hmm. out of three. And even though I appreciate maybe some of his influences here or what the story is, I, I just, when I first left the movie, I was just like, us was scarier. Get out was more layered. And this one is more straight up. And if that's really what it is, I think it's good, not great. And, you know, there are some storylines in here that I just don't think they landed very well. Or if it adds to the subtext, I don't think the subtext is obvious enough for most generic audience, you know, general audiences that I don't think this is going to be a lasting impression of a film with his fans or his community i think you know again if you do the homework you want to go through the youtube videos you want to go through easter eggs you want to sit there it took me like three days to say half the things i just said right now so it's not a hard move it's a hard movie to digest which is funny in a movie where aliens have trouble digesting so yeah no i I was just gonna say that uh i avoided uh, most trailers any promotion for this movie because uh, I just wanted to go into it cold. And that was probably the hardest task this side of seeing a Christopher Nolan movie. Um, Shout out to Oppenheimer for hijacking the uh, opening uh, trailers before the movie. Yeah. My God. I felt the heat from that. Um, (laughs) But it was uh, when I saw it, I was just like, okay, I had a feeling that it was aliens, but I wasn't too sure. I wasn't, confident in that right uh, like i thought there was like you know uh, a diversionary tactic like oh you thought it was but here's the real uh the real thing the real right. monsters are man you know which in a way it could be which um, i thought they were gonna play with that at least multi-level that there's some kind of because a lot of alien stories are that aren't they yeah it's usually uh, like what as- are they here for and then 
Some people right. attack it in bad faith, and then other people do it in a more, you know, genuine story. I like that this is different, but I also think there could have been some alteration to make it more either entertaining or layered. Yes, Shane. I agree with you there, but there was a line that Daniel Coulier, uh, Kaluuya, I'm sorry, Kaluuya, Kaluuya yeah. says, and he basically pretty much sums it up in three sentences. He says it's territorial something and is here to feed. And basically that's what I took it as. It somehow ended up in this valley and his main mission is yeah. it's going to feed on people. I don't think there's any other subsects to this movie. You're not going to be able to like tell me otherwise. Again, I took it as a just straight up UFO monster movie. And right. with a little subtext, like the capitalistic nature of Stephen Young's characters, you know, capitalizing on his childhood fame with Gordy. Right. I, that's the yeah. only kind of theme. And I guess the the, the um, people of color in Hollywood, I got that a little bit, too, but not as deep as what people are trying to make it out to be, to be honest with you. And, you know, I know Chris avoided the trailers, but they do they do throw he does try to throw you for a little loop, because if you remember in the trailer, they showed that what they called the lizard looking lady. And come to find right. out, and come to find out, she wasn't. There's a reason why she looked like that. So, yeah, um, it's just her yep. face got pushed back together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but I, it, I will say, kind of a generic spoiler warning, I guess, from from here on out for this one, because there are things I feel like I really need to kind of suss through, or at least like maybe storylines that I think either worked or didn't work or maybe, you know, could have used some work. So I would say the first thing that I think of a lot is the Gordy thing, because mm-hmm. weirdly enough, I think the, the more, the more intense scenes in this movie don't involve the alien. It's, it's either the, uh, the kids from the neighborhood ranch, you know, trying to retaliate for, uh, getting their fake horse stolen, their training horse stolen, uh, where it kind of reminds us of, uh, the scene in signs at the birthday party where it's kind of like that distant shot of an alien and then it moves and you're like, holy crap. So yeah. you have some of that where that, you know, definitely scared me. And then, um, the, uh, like the uh the gordy scene which you know they do it to open the movie and kind of peppered in later on i think a lot of those are way more frightening shout out to the uh the mocap scene uh people from uh the newer planet of the apes movies that also helped on this one to make the chimp kind of more realistic mm. with that as well um mm. but i think those scenes were definitely scarier because it's more intimate and just generally more frightening or like they, they do either the jump scare tactics or any of those other things. Um, but the Gordy thing in general for being something that opens your film, I feel like that didn't land, especially because Steven Yun is such an early exit that I don't feel like it's a lot to be explored. And I think that really hurts the movie because you set a tone with that opening scene and I don't feel like it gets quote paid off enough to, to, you know, the way the movie ends, it gets very Spielbergian when you start way more intense than he ever would. Yeah. I would say that, uh, the only reason for the Gordy, uh, footage is to show, well, two things. One is to show that you can try and tame these animals, but ultimately they're, going to do what comes naturally to them. Right. And 
just like uh, uh, OJ in the beginning was like, don't step behind this horse, you know, and people were just ignoring what he was saying. And, yeah. you know, the basically the horse kicks back and and basically up. Oh, that's enough from us. Have a good day. Right. And, uh, you know, and he was basically warning people. The Gordy thing just shows that another animal you think you're going to tame. Oh, that's fine. He's part of this TV show. But ultimately, he's an animal. And he's he's going to just react as an animal would. Especially, right. you know, you have an environment where loud noises are happening. And it's nervous. It's scared. And, you know, it acts out accordingly. Uh, right. And then to have... Because you're exploiting it. Right, exactly. And then uh, Stephen Young's character exploits the fact that he was famous on this show you know he has a secret room to show you know certain clients yeah that you know oh this yeah remember this uh show that ran for two seasons i was on it and oh that day that that gordy went nuts and he's uh, comparing it to the snl parody of Uh, yeah, they really nailed situation. it. Yeah, instead yeah, exactly. of the massive trauma that he probably endured. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I feel it had parallels with you know how they dealt with animals, how they dealt with the the traumas. Kiki's character is you know a natural huckster. Uh, yeah. she's always looking for uh, a way of uh, branching out from the farm life. She the farm life is not her. She's from the city she's you know spends her time smoking weed and going from relationship to relationship that she doesn't care what happens on the farm hell right. uh the, the father dies six months prior and she she doesn't want to talk about it right. she's basically as we said putting her head down and just you know let me just go on with my life yeah i mean she definitely you know? got boxed out in that relationship and she explores that. And she also explores how like OJ definitely still saw her at least and still tried Mm to, you know, they had a much better relationship than her and the father, you know, and and they were kind of grooming OJ to kind of take over and do all that. So she never really was engaged in the business and just went off and kind of did her own thing to, to survive, even though she was hurt by all that. But, I don't know. The one thing with the Gordy thing real quick is that yeah. so the shoe, the shoe pointing up that's kind of like in the air, yep. you know, it's obviously supposed to point towards something, some kind of like control or some kind of larger thing. So you're setting up an extraterrestrial story. Is there something to that? Is it supposed to be like, is there some overarching thing that's like controlling everything like is there more to that because when you show me that shoe and you're about to tell me an alien story i was like and the way they make it seem is like he just went crazy for like six minutes and then he comes back and he just daps up a young kid before he's you know tranked like he seemed to go back to normal like he was just possessed for a short period of time and then went back to being like oh there's my buddy what's up and then he even uh from what i understand he uh signed uh, what happened to the family? Yeah. Like he didn't even know he killed them. So I, I I don't know where that parallel runs or how that works. So again, it's certain things with that that just made me either confused or that I missed something or that it's some parallel that just doesn't 
land for me somehow. Shane, do you feel uh, confused by the Gordy part at all? Very, very much so. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the shoe. And I couldn't figure it out. I can't figure it out. I would have never connected it to the alien or whatever aliens there are because the alien he presented us was... It, it, it was different than like to me the, those two don't connect what he showed us and and i don't know it's just i never got that part and the whole gordy part right. i fell and i'm gonna piggyback off what you said because it fell flat for me because it's such a great opening scene and it's just terrifying the way he was beating on these people yeah. and then you don't feel a connection like you said they took Stephen young's character out too early where it's like oh you built all that up for this it's kind of anticlimactic, right. to be honest with you. And it's such a lead into the movie. Like you said, I was like, all right, here we go. And it just fell flat. It just totally. F- and I didn't get the shoe and I don't care to look it up, to be honest with you. I never got it. So right. that whole part just kind of as terrifying as it was, like you said, it was more terrifying than the alien part. And uh, yeah, the, the kids getting back. And even the it. opening credit sequence also gets very intense because you're seeing the the inside of the alien. We don't know that until later, but that whole credit sequence was amazing. I was like, is this the inside of a container truck? Is this whatever? And then it kind of pushes in to being something where, you know, it ends up being that motion, the, the early motion picture stuff with the black actor on the jock, uh, black jockey on the horse and everything else. So there's, it it all seems to like, how does this all piece together? Cause this is how you're opening your movie. And those are the things where I'm like, I need, I need to know more. I need to know how this really breaks down because as the movie progresses, I feel like it loses a lot of that momentum or at least doesn't know how to really convey what they were thinking or trying to put together with the rest of the film. I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's like I said, I don't want to go too much in the, you know, the way of like, you know, having to do homework to serve just how did the movie make me feel? Cause I, I'm with you, Shane, a little bit where it's like when I got out of the movie, I was a little underwhelmed. And even though I appreciate a lot of it, um, like the raining blood sequence is awesome. Um, with the horse going through the windshield and, you know, the oh slow God. pitch sunglasses at night, that whole sequence was dope. Um, so there's a lot to like in terms of the visual construction, I, obviously Chris brought up and, but yeah, I'm just, I'm so of two minds about this movie and it makes me want to see it again to see if any of those layers that I picked up as I was thinking about it after the film adds anything when I watch it again. But I think as of right now, I think, you know, I'm landing on what, why not do scores? You guys, unless you guys have a a bunch more points or anything, you guys, I just got one more point for Uh, you, but actually two little points. Sure. 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 Okay. One character. And we talked about him, the the cinematographer that they hire antlers, that whole sure. scene where he decides to give himself up, they gave no context to it. I didn't understand it. I'm like, you're waiting your whole life. And I know, Chris, you said he was sick, but it was his it was his choice to go out there, right, to catch this thing on film. And it just was so yeah. out of character from what they kind of introduced. It's like, here's your shot. And all of a sudden, you're just going to just, like, we don't deserve this shot. Like, what? Like, what? And a lot of people, yeah. like, had an issue with the way this movie ended. I didn't. I actually liked the subtle ending the way this movie ended. Then can I ask you a question? Sure. So 
I don't know if Kiki Palmer getting to be kind of the hero at the ranch is as earned as I think it is. Because that's the only thing that really kind of bothered me. Because for most of the setups and everything else, OJ is the guy who's kind of taken charge, defending the land. He's the one with that earthy, like, this is my place. Kiki Palmer's just kind of just getting back into it. She's the person who's more into the spectacle and getting the footage. And it slowly builds back into a sibling story a little bit to kind of pay off with this. But for OJ to kind of step in and then for her to take action and take it down into the ranch and then come up with that, I was fine with it. But in a way, she ends up being the hero. And, you know, it kind of made me feel like she was just like kind of watching screens for most of those times where now she's in action only because OJ bailed her out multiple times, which kind of is their relationship. But and I'm glad that she stepped up, but it just didn't feel as earned as if OJ did it. But that wouldn't have been OJ's character. Like that wasn't his his character. His character was doing the heavy lifting, the salt of the earth stuff to for the ranch. Even at the beginning, like when they had when she was late and he had to fill in, he was awkward. He didn't know what to do. She's like the showman, the the business person. Like she wants the shot because otherwise they don't exist. I guess no, that's fair. Right. So I had no issue with it only because he did the lifting for her to get that moment, and that's kind of her thing. So I I guess maybe I didn't really think about it as deep as you did. I just thought it was equal parts earned at the end of the movie. I thought maybe uh, it was basically the fact that she could have just said, my brother's gone. I'm right. out. He sacrificed uh, I don't himself. need to be yeah. here anymore. There's nothing for me here anymore. I'm right. out. I'm saving my own hide. Right. And uh, for her to stick around and actually pick up the ball, you know, uh, I, I think it shows tremendous growth for yeah. the character. But... No, I think that's I, the I, Spielberg Jurassic Park now. influence, actually, because we were kind of talking about it off air yep. about the films that he said. I feel like that shot of her sending up the blimp or the the, the heavy balloon, like the person balloon, the Steven yeah. Yeun balloon or whatever, uh, and going up and, and having that caught with the well photo thing, that feels very Spielbergian. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's specifically because he mentioned multiple Spielberg films that he uses influences for the film with close encounters and Jurassic park, but it feels more later stage Spielberg than it does say like close encounters. Correct. I agree there. Yeah. And I'll just say one thing and that that's uh, just to speak on what you were saying, Andrew Mm -hmm. uh, is I don't like movies that, you know, they're one thing, you know, it's just straightforward beginning, middle end, you get the story, it resonates, it doesn't, whatever. With something like Nope, I think it deserves a rewatch. It deserves a watch definitely after a discussion like we're having. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. You know, uh, it, it deserves a watch. Even if you do a little uh, online perusing you yeah. know, <laughs> of, uh, of, of certain things other people are saying. Yeah. And then you can go back and say, okay, I can see that. But as I said in our discussion, uh, I hate when, like, uh, I saw a documentary on uh, The Shining mm. uh, called Room 237. Yeah. And there's these people, there's these intellectuals 
that are just saying, oh, this is what uh, Kubrick really wanted to uh, say. And I'm just like, don't don't do that. Don't. No. You know, I saw the movie like this. Right. Don't talk down to me. Don't make me feel like a, a lesser person uh, that I missed the point of right. The Shining. Okay. Yeah. Don't do that to me. Right. And there was like three or four versions of that in that documentary where I was just like, nope, F this. I threw my hands up and I was just like, I do not like to be talked to like that. Um, <laughs> but, nope. <laughs> you know, usually with, you know, certain conversations, like if, if I saw Nope and came out of it saying that was the biggest piece of garbage I've ever seen, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Sure. And then I have a conversation about it, and you guys come along and say, oh, but, you know, did you notice this? Did you notice this? Oh, oh, maybe I did miss that the first time. You know, sure. y- you may change my mind about it. Overall, I'm going to have my opinion because I'm one-third of a podcast that talks about our opinions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, I, I, can't, I can't really fault anybody with how they see a certain movie. Yeah. Or see a movie in a certain way. And um, I remember when you said the whole Room 237 thing, though. My my mm-hmm. difference is, because it's kind of the opposite of what you're saying about the this yep. movie's a piece of crap thing. When I finish watching The Shining, I go, that's a goddamn masterpiece. And then people want to be like, well, if you think it's really a masterpiece, did you notice all that? Like, Then it's yeah. a little, like, I don't need that because I loved it on its entrance. I got enough of it. I don't need... Yeah the extra Easter eggy stuff or whatever. Or if I do like, I could probably do that because I'm going to rewatch it a million times. Cause it's an amazing movie and it'll probably be on television a bunch of times or on every streaming service for the rest of my life. Now, you know, this movie, I came out of it going, well, that was a little more straight up than I thought. Same. So maybe the fact that I can once after I thought about it, I was like, Oh, okay. You know, that maybe there is more to this. Maybe I will appreciate it a little bit more now that I thought about it, or maybe rewatch as well. But if somebody gives me a whole, like, 20-minute video of, like, how they pre- – no, no. Yeah. But you know who's the person who loves that probably? Jordan Peele because it just keeps the conversation going on about his movie for an extended period of time. But I will say, and I've heard this on other podcasts, Jordan Peele – credits his audience with a lot of range like they know that either they're going to look for this stuff because they know him or they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt that some of these things that maybe it took me a while to kind of pick up maybe some people are faster to pick up those things than others and maybe over time scores for this movie will go up based on some of those things so i don't even think he worries about maybe but i know what i know this movie made a bunch of money this weekend so i don't think anybody uh is too concerned um with that so let's uh let's put some scores on these things before we uh take a break and get to the gray man so uh shane i'll start with you where did you sit with nope out of five stars i wanted to try to get this higher than i i did but again just underwhelmed i gave it a three out of five and i think that's kind of fair I mean, I thought, well, let's put it this way. When I first saw that Letterbox had it as four out of five as, like, where the score sat right now, I was like, that seems a little high. Right. So, because uh, four is, like, you know, getting into some of our favorites of the year. And I don't know if I'm around that yet. 
So uh, even with more thinking about it and more appreciation, Chris, where do you sit with this? I'm a three as well. Uh, yeah. Only because uh, I I can't go higher. You know, I was I was even like teetering towards three and a half, but I was like, no, that that's it's not there. Probably on a subsequent watch. Right. Uh, but right now, I would say a three is is a fair assessment. Mm. See, I. It's one of those. Um, I think I'm at three and a half. I think I'm at three and a half because of kind of how I got you further along. <laughs> and I, I think that because I'm looking at, you know, again, we've talked yeah. about this before. I kind of keep the list and I kind of go, well, this, that with this and this, that with this. I'm like, ah, it's probably around that score. I think if I thought it was just fine, you know, I'm probably in that three range. Like it entertained me. Yeah. I can remember certain sequences like very, very much in the back of my mind. It's, it's right there when I think of this movie. There are things that I thought were unique about it. And so I think it, it is more elevated than maybe I didn't maybe give it credit at times while I was watching it. Um, yeah. But there is enough there that I think it does get up into that range. Because, again, it's not saying, like, to me, when I think of the, the best movies of the year, I'm s probably starting with four stars and up. You know what I mean? So is yeah. it going to be there at the end of the day? I don't know, not without rewatches. So I think three and a half is fair in my eyes to kind of go, this is better and more elevated, but I think it maybe got knocked down because my expectations were so damn high that it's going to be like, I, I couldn't see the forest for the trees. I needed an amazing movie to hold where I was, but this movie is good, not great. And I think it ends very straight up and it turns into, like I said, like a sci-fi Western, you know, Cowboys versus aliens, but the good version, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, true. Yeah. So I think that's where I'm at. So, um, but we'll see, we'll see if that holds, we'll see with, uh, extent, you know, extra watches, whether it goes up or down. I think this will be a lingering conversation as we get towards the end of the year. And we're trying to really wrap our minds around the best movies of the year conversation but let's hold that conversation there let's take a quick break and when we come back we will talk about the gray man stay tuned do you like beer do you like podcasts do you like beer podcasts then check out crack and one open a podcast about brews news and pop culture reviews every week we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country and sometimes the world We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Crackin' When Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about the Netflix original action film, The Gray Man, co-directed by Anthony and Joe Russo, the Russo brothers, of the famous MCU movies as they did almost all the biggies. They did Winter Soldier. They did Civil War. Uh, they did both uh, Infinity War and Endgame. Although it came out this weekend after all the other hoopla with the MCU that they will not be returning for the other Avengers movies to come in the later phases. So I guess it's officially Netflix time because they signed a big deal with Netflix to make multiple films, including 
sequels to this movie, The Gray Man, that we're going to talk about right now. It is also co-written by Joe Russo, Christopher Marcus, and Stephen McFeely, who wrote a lot of those scripts for the MCU films. Um, This also stars Ryan Gosling as Sierra Six, Chris Evans, a.k.a. Captain America, a.k.a. America's Ass, uh, (laughs) as Lloyd Hansen, Anna Diarmas as Danny Miranda, Billy Bob Thornton as Fitzroy, Alfrey Woodard as Margaret Cahill, Roger Jean... I'm got uh, Chris uh, Shane is the Frenchman, of course. Um, <laughs> Roger Sheen Page as Carmichael, Julia Butters as Claire, and Jessica Henwick as Suzanne Brewer. Uh, the plot of this film, based on the books uh, series that the I guess popular book series, I hadn't heard of them before the movies came out. Um, when the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets, a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. Uh, This is a $200 million budgeted movie tied for highest Netflix budget with Red Notice that came out last year. Um, This is a very divisive film now that scores started coming for this um, after the first week in theaters and then now officially on Netflix as of this past Friday. It currently has a 48 Rotten Tomatoes score, a 49 Meta score, a 6.6 IMDb score, but a 90% Rotten Tomato audience score, which means obviously nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but it, and I believe it's somewhere. I didn't write it down because I'm a jerk. I believe it's somewhere around a 2.6 last I saw on Letterboxd. So very kind of middling responses and definitely skewing towards uh, the, the more critical people, uh, landing it a little lower than maybe they would like. Um, this was... Originally supposed to be Chris Evans' starring vehicle, but he was he turned down the lead role and decided to play the villain instead. We will get into how we think maybe that shook out. But I will start with Shane, who, <laughs> as we spoke over the weekend, might be this movie's biggest fan. As he said, he what'd you say you watched it three or four times over the weekend? All right, yeah, I saw this movie four times over the weekend, and I'm not ashamed to say it. This movie made my pants so tight, I had to watch the last two without any clothes on. That's how good this movie was. <laughs> like, in, in all seriousness, what do you people want? You want to be entertained, right? This movie has so many action set pieces in it, it was ridiculous. Who cares about plot? I don't care about plot. Seriously. <laughs> you know what you're getting? I do if I want sequels. No, you know what you're getting in this movie, right? I loved all the action sequences. Now, we'll get into like some of them because one didn't work for me in particular, but that was okay because there were so many of them. This movie moves so fast. I This is Ryan Gosling's technically first action film, and I really liked him in this role. And I know a lot of people didn't, but he had that nice guy's kind of attitude. Not as jokey, but jokey enough. He didn't go full. I thought it was a little more uneven than right. that. I thought he made better decisions in those other films, especially like Drive. He knew he was super stoic. Right. That was him. That was the tone of the movie. Right. And then Nice Guys, 
like he could be that jokey kind of almost like pretty boy sidekick. Guy. Right. And he did kind of bring and, those jokes in this movie and they all didn't land. Yeah. But they, they landed yeah. enough for me and I thought he carried the action enough for me. I love Ana de Armos in this movie. I thought she shined Chris Evans character. I'll admit it took me a while to, to get at first. I was like, Oh man, you're really cheesing over the top. I get it. But that's kind of like how he was supposed to be. I understand it. I actually ended up liking him as the villain of this movie. I like the interaction between uh, Six and Claire, um, Billy Bob Thornton's niece. I like that whole chemistry they had together. But yeah, the, the whole prog scene, I love that where he was handcuffed to the bench and he's like, can't you just shoot him? He's handcuffed to a damn bench. How hard is this? I, I love yeah, They that. were like, I want to recreate heat yeah. right in the middle of Prague. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I loved it, man. The only thing I will say that didn't really work for me was Jessica Henwick's character. Like you have a character. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, you have a character mm-hmm. who's very adept at action and martial arts. And she, you have her sitting in the sidelines the whole movie. Like she does nothing for this movie. So I don't. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if they have plans for her down the road, like stepping up into a bigger mm-hmm. role. But uh-huh. I, yeah, I really, uh, yeah, this movie worked on every level. This is a movie that I could have on the background and go do a bunch of chores and just tune into certain scenes. I, I don't know what people are watching. Like, I don't know what you want out of an action movie. This had everything you want in an action movie. Yeah, I would say it, at its most positive light, you can at least say this is a YouTube clip movie. Where you're like, yo, all the like big set pieces are online. Just watch them whenever you want. And you're like, man, that was dope. Did you see this train, you know, blow up off the rails and spin, you know, have him jump off into a car and go crazy? Like, yeah, you could definitely say this thing. Did you see the helicopter get knocked down from the sky and go into a, a moat in this like amazing, you know, uh, castle that they're fighting in? Yeah, you could be like, oh my God, that sounds like the greatest movie ever. But you do have to deal with a bunch of things in between that may not land with everyone. I'm trying to be uh, sort of genuine. Uh, what I will say, my because uh, when we talked to Casey Moore from What's on Netflix on Friday, if, thank you to anyone who listened to that. If you haven't, I would definitely go check that out. A lot of good Netflix talk there. I'm not just saying it, but it was a good listen. Ah, thanks, man. Um, <laughs> but I would say I was uh, less enthused back then but that was pre-rewatch and i did do a rewatch uh over the weekend because i had seen it in theaters the weirdest experience about this movie is that i thought it was less impressive on the big screen and i don't know if that's based on the fact that a lot of netflix films don't get i think film prints when they go out to theaters i think they're just doing kind of like digital streams onto the big screen and some of that doesn't do it justice especially when you're talking about some of these lavish set pieces that we're talking about where maybe it seems a little i don't know a little flat maybe not as colorized or as 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 deep in terms of the scope that it should be in so i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that my rewatch was more enjoyable because it was maybe presented in the way that it should have been and but I will say that has nothing to do with the plot stuff because this, the ending of this movie especially, I wanted to throw things. Um, and we can get into that once we get into spoiler stuff. But I will agree that, you know, the uh, the stunts between the plane stunts, the, the prog stuff, 
the uh the 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 yeah that all into the train stuff and and a lot of the action sequences do work but between how <laughs> unfortunately i guess cuz i was so mad in the theater i did write things like <laughs> joyless stilted shallow over edited um where you know uh it it kind of took me out but like i said i think it did improve on rewatch i i i did also write if you want to see me at my most cynical when i'm writing my notes is uh a movie that dares to say to <laughs> a movie that dares to ask what if we got the hottest woman on the earth and put her in the worst haircut and outfits i've ever seen in my life Thank and, you. <laughs> I do, and a woman who was just in a Bond movie that I'd rather watch her five to ten minutes in that than any of the sequences in here. I don't know what they thought they were doing. But if anything, I will say, you know who I think the MVP of this movie is? Alfre Woodard, who is in this movie for five fucking minutes. And she was everything I wanted from this movie. Uh, where she was, she was snarky but smart. She was dialed in. She sacrifices herself. She does. Uh, she's got gravity. She brings everybody in, and she did that all in five minutes, which was a much better sequence than most of the film. Because even that scene, if you want to talk about set pieces, the blowing up of the apartment, going into everything else. Oh my god, that was awesome. Um, sh- Chris, <laughs> yes. Hi. It seems like maybe we're going to have a fight sequence of our own uh, with Shane's reaction to even some of the things I was saying. Uh, where do you stand with the gray man? I am no kinder than you. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will give it this. Yeah. Yes. The action is there. No one's questioning that. Yeah. The plot, even the one that you read off, <laughs> is not correct. Not really, especially I I love reading the part and sorry to cut you off, but I love reading the part where it says identity is known to none. He gets recruited right in the beginning. There's a whole program. People know Uh, he has an empty file, but it seems like it's not hard to get him (laughs) get to know where he is. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I was going to say everyone knows everything like, uh, you know, there's no hiding with this agency there was a lot of stuff that i was just scratching my head over and uh you know plot would help that what'd you think of ryan gosling though he's a dreamboat (laughs) of course he's he's really like i i i do i do like him he does seem like sometimes he's not in the same movie as everyone else Mm -hmm. you know like uh he he's non-reactionary to certain things that are happening around him yeah, a lot. He's just like going through the motions. Yeah, exactly. Which I understand. Um, you're, you're a cold-blooded assassin or whatever, but like he yeah. doesn't even react to like basic things unless it's like really like like when he gets stabbed in the like hand. In his face. There was that's yes. like a fun scene where he kind of like reacts and does this whole thing. But there's many yep. times where he just literally just deadpan, just deadpan to a lot of things where I was like, dude. Like <laughs> you're in the middle of a fight yeah. sequence. Wake up. Yep. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I will say it had like that feel of back in the day, those action movies where the, the simplicity of the stories were what set it apart from the ones that, uh, come out now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like commando, 
you stole the man's daughter or you, you kidnapped the, the man's daughter and he has to retrieve her. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That, nothing too deep with that. Right. And then action ensues throughout the movie. Well, that's because with we, this, we end up like, trying to like set up sequel stuff and set up franchises before like the cart is before the horse. Yeah. Make the first one successful, then do your tie-ins. Exactly. And uh yeah, there there was too many dumb things to uh to like ignore. Um, the the end okay, I'll I'll revise my statement a little bit. If you right. if they ended this movie better, I'd be like talking this movie up. But the way mm-hmm. this movie ends I wanted to throw things, and I really want to kind of get into it with Shane um, because obviously he's having a conniption over it. I want to throw both of you right now. I want to throw both of you guys right now. What? Yeah. Like, I, what? listen, you'll hear in my score that I'm not maybe as rude as maybe I'm coming off right now, but every time I watch it through the end is when I get mad because the end makes me mad. And by the way, I actually – uh. I would say Chris Evans, I really liked as the villain, if you want to hear my positivity for, for a half a sec. But yeah, I'd say Chris Evans, Alfre Woodard, and the, the, the major set pieces are the reasons to watch this movie. But there are things that you just go, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, 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 My mind sometimes is boggled. Like, okay, first of all, this is an action movie, right? First and foremost, this movie gives you more action than I've seen in freaking fucking years on Netflix and good action. Like, I'm viscerally getting <laughs> upset over here because, like, yes, yeah, sometimes the plot, like, Chris, you pointed out Commando. This is just as simple yep. as a plot as Commando. Like, it's that simple. Mm. The only action sequence that didn't work for me was the whole plane scene towards the end because I thought when they were falling out of the plane, it was blurry. It was muddled. I couldn't see what was really going on there. Yeah, and that's why they cut away before he even lands. Right. Did you notice? Yeah, I did. So <laughs> yeah. that's probably the only, up until that point, that was the only part that was like, uh, okay. But again, for me, Ryan Gosling really worked in this in this role. And I think that's his, I didn't mind his being aloof to everything that was going on around him. Like, I, yeah, that's just the way he is, I think, generally speaking, in most movies that he's in. He was even that in that way in The Nice Guys, to, to call back to that movie. I thought he delivered enough, and I, I don't know, man. Like I li- And again, I like Chris Evans. I like the Lloyd character, especially the end confrontation, because if you realize through the movie, like, he sends everyone to do his dirty work, and they even point that out to him towards the end. And he's finally like, you know what, fuck it, let's go. Me and you, let's do it. Right. And I thought that was a great scene. And when uh, Jessica Henwick's character comes in, I like that little quick interaction between the both of them. I like his line was like, do you do you do you mind if I just like, you know, go over here and just like whatever. Go bleed yeah. out over there. Go bleed out yeah, over there. Yeah. I like and I yeah. liked the ending. I, again, I like the connection between him and Claire. Like, I like the fact that she called him a robot. I like that. <laughs> I like that whole scene. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, maybe I was in a different spot. But I've again. Four times already, man. Four times. I love this movie. And it was so much better than Red Notice. You have to you guys have to admit that. Oh, I will agree oh, with yeah. that. That's that's oh, yeah. not even close. I hated Red Notice. <laughs> I wanted to leave the theater when I watched Red Notice. This one at least I, I stuck with it, but I was just more pained of how they tried to land this thing. Especially because I thought they sacrificed what the movie was really leading up to based on their need 
to move this into a sequel and it drove me crazy. Right. Um, so we'll get into that in a minute. I don't want. I want. I want to go full tilt once we get into spoilers. So let's do what we easier. didn't do uh, with the nope conversation. Let's put some scores out there. Okay. And then we'll we'll move forward with maybe with some of our our best and, and or maybe least favorite things as we go through. So Shane, put out your 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 <laughs> over the top score, baby. This go is ahead. a four out of five for me. A four out of five. This is something, yeah, again, this is something I got my popcorn. I could take my fucking brain and put it next to me in my seat, and I could just mum, mum, suck up all my popcorn and and soda and enjoy this movie (laughs) from start to finish. It's a four out of five for me. Yeah, especially you and child abuse scenes. They just go way up. Hand in hand, baby. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris, what do you got? Oof. Okay. Don't make me come, don't well, make me come look for you, man. You know where I'm I know. At? Don't make me come. You know don't make I'm me at? come. Okay. You know what? I'm Just, pulling that out. I know. Just <laughs> take your earphones off. Your you take your headphones off, Shane. Because daddy's gonna hurt you. <laughs> Two and a half. I th- I think that's kind of fairish. I think I, I like I said. I think I liked it a little better, or it was a little more fair. I don't know. I'm. I keep vacillating mm. between two and a half and three. I, I. I'm. I'm somewhere in there. So if I had to cheat and say two point seven five, I'm gonna fucking do it because you know it's our show. So we'll do whatever <laughs> we want. Um. So basically, that letterbox score that I saw was kind of close to where I was thinking. It's kind of around. Yeah, I looked that it point. up. It was uh, averaged uh, two point eight. Two point eight. So right. So yeah. my two point seven. Yeah. That's like right there. So yep. uh, I think that's kind of fair because God, there is so, all right. So let's do it. I want to. I want to start backwards, it. okay? Because I want to get to the ending first. Shane, you ready, buddy? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. All right. So this will be our last. Show. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So everything is set up to get it down to Evans versus Gosling, six versus Lloyd, right? Because for most of the movie, it's kind of just pussyfooting around because Six is in the field, but Evans, for the most part, doesn't have to fully face them head to head. They do once before, and it's not a long thing, and it kind of gets interrupted. So you don't really know fully what you're going to get, but that's kind of seemingly where this movie wants to head, right? Head to head between them. You would agree, Yeah, correct, correct. Okay, so... By the time they get to Evans versus Gosling, they decide to do it when there are no stakes besides pride left behind. Gosling doesn't have the evidence anymore. Evans lets go of the girl. Most of the compound is on fire, or and most or all of the men are killed or presumed killed. So why did they wait so long or set it up in that way? I was very confused. But let's move past that to where they set up the showdown. They made Evans mostly just a quarterback throughout most of the film. You don't get to see him in action a ton in this movie before the end comes around. Uh, So I don't know what he's capable of before we get to have them kind of face off. So I thought that was a little interesting. But then they end the fight. And this really got me. They get so much in deep where Gosling 
is being drowned by Evan's character. And they do flashbacks to him having to fight off his dad from shoving him into like either, I think it was like a tub of water or whatever it was, where he's trying to show him a lesson, just almost drown his own son. And he's got this parallel going with this fight. He finally gets enough muster from thinking about that and getting so mad. He gets him in a headlock and kind of like corrals him down. He's got him in control. And they decide to bring Wet Blanket, (laughs) the worst character in the whole movie, Jessica Henrik, into the fold to shoot Lloyd and then also shoot Gosling and make it a power play with the most sidelined character in the history of movies. I was so pissed off that I wanted to throw shit everywhere. It was unbelievable that they would do such a thing because now you're potentially, and if it if it doesn't, it's going to be a lot of questions. You take Lloyd out, who I thought was the best part of the movie, who's not going to be in your sequels, hypothetically. You set up... Uh, Henwick as making a power play and taking over. You took Diarmas out and made her into what? Because she somehow has to go along for the ride. She's the one who had the evidence. She had the kid. The, the way we left it before the labyrinth ends, the whole place is just, she's in control. Everything is in their control outside of the bogey that is Lloyd. And somehow everyone ends up under the thumb of the least in control character in the whole movie <laughs> to go back to base. What? <laughs> Please help me with that one. Shane. Yeah, I can't really with that one. <clears throat> Cause honestly, so that's the whole movie. <laughs> no, like I like the showdown between him and Lloyd. I got it. Like I got Lloyd was, I think at that point they were just so frustrated with each other. Like Lloyd could not kill this guy whatsoever. He was like, he was like, sure. he was like, fuck it. Like, I'm. this is going to happen. And the same thing with Ryan Gosling. I, I just figured it came to a head between them two. Like, you know what? You've been trying to kill me this whole damn movie. It, you know, what, we're just going to finish this <laughs> once and for all. So I sure. I got that part. When Jessica Henwick showed up, I was surprised, to be honest with you, right? And she even, I think her quote was like, I saw you two Neanderthals go at it, or troglodytes, whatever she called them. It was like, okay, I'm going to put yeah. an end to this. I. It was an anticlimactic end to their fight. I get it. I do. And honestly, when he was tra- like, <laughs> it's funny you mention that because when he was like putting his arm up around Lloyd to get him in the sleeper home, like, how did he put him in that chokehold? Like that just, okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, the, the mechanisms was a little right. Odd. It was yeah. a little off, yeah. right? But I, for, up until that point, I enjoyed that movie so much. I didn't mind that. Yeah, I kind of forgave yeah. that part. And that actor who was his father was a great actor. I forgot his name. I'm surprised. Shane yeah. Bingham. I'm surprised he was in there for like a half a second. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. That's probably a Russo Brothers connect right. somewhere. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. So I get your point. I do. But I just, I enjoyed the movie so much up into that Jessica Henwick scene at the end. I think they did that because they're trying to set it up for her her role in the sequel. I really do. I, I really do think they were setting her up down the road. They went about it at a weird I didn't agree with it totally. Yeah, but what's her resume, Shane? I, Why do I care? I, I don't. Like, because she gets, you know, sidelined by Carmichael. Carmichael does nothing. The whole second, like, 
two thirds. He just of wants the movie. his information. That's going to damn. That's him. why we haven't mentioned. Yeah, Car- for that's later. why we haven't mentioned Carmichael at all in this movie so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but this is the point with the with the villain structure of this movie. Carmichael passes the buck to Lloyd, so Lloyd becomes the big bad. Henrik is on the side of him going, this is so bad. Why are we killing directors and, and, and all these heads of people and all these civilians and, oh, my God, we're killing police now? This is so bad. And then by the end, she's like, well, I might as well make an opportunity because I hate Lloyd so much that I'm going to take him down. Like, you sat next to him the whole time. You could have done something in the moment right. and taken over. Do you think these people like working for Lloyd? He's a supreme asshole. Which, by the way, goes back to my other thing I hated. Um, Danush, the Indian assassin guy that they yeah. hired. I said the actor's name. I don't remember his character's name off the top of my head. But he has the evidence. He's fighting on a Diarmas in the building. They get to a point where they're a little bit separated he looks at her and he goes, nah, just take it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, these are not honorable people. What? Yeah, no. You've worked for Lloyd before. He knew you as a homie when he gave you the hero's welcome when you came through the door. He fucking loves you. You know Lloyd. Lloyd's never changed. Ever. He's the worst of the worst. What are you talking about? No. Like, you knew he would be the lunatic who would try to kill a kid or take a kid hostage. Are you serious right now? That made no sense. None. So, like, a lot of the moves they made late, which is the thing that kills me the most. Because if they just did this just straight up generic, she, he saves the day, gets the girl back, Lloyd's dead, and they just fucking go off and then they pull some shenanigans? Cool. Well, here, here, but man, the way they did it, God, here, I won. Okay, so here, here's where I took the Danush character, which I liked in this movie. I liked the hospital scene where they were, he was fighting off both of them at the same time. I thought that was cool. He was suave. I liked him. Here's what I'll get from that. These are contracted killers, right? So apparently, I think he, sure. I think he knows Lloyd, but he may not know Lloyd to the depths of which he, you know, he presented at that time. Just like when uh, they presented Lloyd with Sierra Six, he goes, oh, he has a reputation. Like, so you may know someone has a reputation, but you may not know the depths of that reputation. So when he found out, like, he was killing kids, like, you know, he had that look in his face, like, oh, you're you're killing kids. Like, I'm not down with this. So I, I understood that from right, that. Then don't fight Ana Diarmas again. He already knew whose side Ana Diarmas was. Yeah, yeah. Just hand it to her. Why are you fighting for five minutes? Yeah, I don't know. But I have to go back and watch that for a fifth time. <laughs> Because I thought Ana Dharma, <laughs> I, I honestly, if I remember correctly, Ana Dharma's bought that fight to him first. And he had to, like, just, like, then, like. She just walked into the room. Right. So, like, he was kind of lying in wait. So. Yeah, I don't know. But, like, I get his character not wanting to. <laughs> I, I get his character wanting to separate from Lloyd in that whole aspect. Right. I don't know, man. Like and what the what follows after that whole thing too? I thought Henwick was gonna then turn around and power play Carmichael to take his position because she saved the day, right? And kind of usurp him. They don't even do that. And Diarmas like confronts Carmichael, it inserts Carmichael as the head again. I'm like, good lord, 
they took Carmichael out for like 45 minutes, an hour of this movie. I, I, I just didn't understand the structure. Like, Because, again, if we're looking for a sequel, this is what I see. Again, Evans is gone, possibly. Henwick and Carmichael still there. So isn't and six and the girl, uh, Julia Butter's character Claire, is on the run. So are we now going to set up a girl who has a heart condition as the the cub to the like samurai like samurai and Long cub wolf. kind of situation yeah. that we've done a million times, like the Mandalorian or anybody these you know the professional or anything where you're going to train a new assassin with a girl as a pacemaker. What, what are we trying to set up here exactly? And I, I will say, I, I, I disagree. I, I, I like Julia, Julia Butters couldn't have stole a scene bigger. in once upon a time in Hollywood, in that scene with Leo on the ranch, yep. the, the Western that he shot, she couldn't have been better than anyone. She was annoying as hell half the time in this movie not princess leia and obi-wan level but this <laughs> one overacting her ass off in a lot of scenes where i was like someone needs to take this chick down so could we can we get a can we get a reshoot on this stuff i was just begging for it especially on the end and that end it was just ah it just drove me crazy chris please stop me from talking and please Hello. either chime in <laughs> is there something what did you enjoy about this movie, because obviously your score was the lowest. Is there something that you would agree that people would like about this movie? I'm thinking. No, uh, I, I thought you were going to toss it back to me so I can complain also. You could do that, <laughs> like, too. I'm trying to be nice. Oh, let me tell you, it, it, if this was a Marvel that. movie, you'd I, have it as a four out of five. I guarantee you. These are basically no. Marvel characters uh, and uh, uh People who have made Marvel movies that I enjoy, I I feel my like... favorite ones. I love Winter Soldier. I love Infinity oh War. I love the the hangar scene in Civil War. Is some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Maybe I missed the moment, but you're recruiting Ryan Gosling from jail to be a CIA operative, right? Based on what? Based he on... was in jail since he was a kid. Right. And now I want you to work. I want your skills <laughs> to work your for Billy me. Bob. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. It's nice. But I picked it up. Yeah. Where, where, what you, skills does he, he have? He kills dads very well. He has a grown right. man killing but Lloyd, fetish. as far as we know, is not a dad. Right. No, uh... Uh, I will say, like, yes, all, all, all the characters brought something to the table, especially Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. Chris Evans, like, amped up his ransom character from Knives Out uh, in this. Uh, he kind of felt like the bad boyfriend in mm -hmm. Scott Pilgrim, you know? <laughs> he was chewing the scenery. I liked it. I, I, I had no I, I problem really with it. Lloyd. I thought he just got done dirty. I thought he should yeah. have at least had a soldier's death and get killed by one of his own who he's been trying to kill the entire damn movie. And I will say, he doesn't listen to people. He's just like, yeah, I'm done with you. 
you know, he's just shooting people. I like that right. he was like boring. I loved it when he like yeah. messed with Billy Bob's ears and was like, I just made that up. That wasn't <laughs> even torture. I, he's like, yeah. that was hilarious. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, so I thought he was having a lot of fun and I was having fun with him. I just don't. Uh, I will say, mm, and and yeah. Shane, you know my, you know what I'm about to say. I enjoyed this better than any of the expendable movies, and I will die on that hill. I can understand that. Those no, are you're crap. crap. First of all, this those let's not get off crap. the rail. Let's not get off the rail. Those make no <laughs> sense. And the fact that I even scored this uh, as well as I did, you should be thanking. You both me. are making hey, no here, sense. Here's a. Oh, here, here's a thought, Shane. Try this one on. Um, early on in the movie, Evans takes Thornton and forces him to call six to get his location because he already had kidnapped the niece, right? He gets the location. He gives him up. He knows because of what he presented the situation. And yet he calls Evans' bluff. He throws the, the phone out the window. He knows he's still got the niece, why doesn't he just kill Billy Bob right then and there? Because his cover's blown. He knows he's with Evans. He has the wet teams out there all over the world to try to find him now that he's been located. Thornton is completely useless because he's never going to call Thornton again because he knows he's compromised. It's called the MacGuffin to move the move the story <laughs> forward. Okay. No, it's because you need to have him have a grenade. Yeah. At the at end, the end. To, to blow people. Absolutely. Up. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mind that. Which by the they had more sentimental moment with Alfred Woodard than they did with Billy Bob when he's on his way. That out. was a great scene, by the way. I loved it. I loved it. I told you there are scenes I absolutely loved. If they just landed the fucking plane, <laughs> and they didn't, they totally botched that ending to the point of absurdity. And the other thing was. Uh, Having that uh, that necklace, the the microchip or whatever you sure. want to call it, uh, you, apparently you go to an internet cafe, loads immediately. <laughs> you uh, put in another computer, loads immediately. You bring it to uh, That's Chris Evans. The first person his to castle. open it is Alfred Woodard, isn't it? Yeah. No, so it was she, uh, Ryan Gosling. Deputy, she's a director. No, yeah, but that's Ryan like Gosling went. No, he couldn't. Encry- he couldn't. Yeah, right. It was encrypted. No, he couldn't encrypt it. He could, it automatically. No, he couldn't encrypt it. He saved it or something. He no, mailed he went it to, to the yeah, cafe. He mailed it to her. He saw what was on it. Whatever was on it was, uh, he couldn't get too deep with it. So he brings it to her. Oh, she right. opens yeah, it up. He... Basically, she sees the same stuff that he did. But then when uh, Chris Evans finally gets it, they put it in the computer, loading. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding I think they me? Cut to you the have this big facility. One, yeah. You have this big facility. And you have to wait for the information to load up. I'm like, are you kidding me? He got it in seconds at an internet cafe. They must have hired. Listen, I'm all like, I know is that I think Ryan Gosling and I like are that. the same suit size. All right, I think I am also a 42 regular. So is that yeah. really what matters? <laughs> that is. That is. Your recent activities, ass. All right. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Thank you. I will put that on a poster somewhere. Toot sweet. That's it. All right. That's it. I think we uh, yeah, kind of squeezed this out. But I will say, if if Netflix made more movies like this for their $200 million versus Red Notice, do it, buddy. Go for it. Just please try to get a little better at landing the plane. That would be my 
biggest note of anything. Here's, and if you have Anadarmus, don't make her look like a housewife. Here's here's the last thing I'll say. I don't know what Netflix has planned, but I'd rather see prequels with Lloyd and Sierra Six's past than I would sequels going forward. So I know they said they had. I, I I know they said they might have a prequel in the plans going into. I believe that's true. Now I remember. Yeah, going that, yeah. into Lloyd's past and character. That is the movie I want to see. I'd rather see a prequel than a sequel to this franchise. No, it'd be interesting, too. One of the big things that I saw a lot of uh, chatter online of people who actually are interested in this series, but maybe they didn't read the books and they're kind of looking into it. The big thing hanging out there, where's his brother? Where's right. Six's brother? Because if he saved his life from his father, he's still around somewhere. What is his life like? Did, you know, is is uh, Six going to try to... Enter into that phrase. It's going to be, you know, Fast and the Furious type stuff where they, uh, you know, it's all about family and we get the family back together. What are we doing with that? Because they they went heavy into doing the flashback, the backstory of Six. It's got to make sense somewhere. So I think, you know, that might be a sequel stuff or a prequel thing to where they show maybe what happened in between or if they had some kind of connection to set up a sequel that is, yeah, having to interact again later on. That might be interesting, too. But, yeah, I think I did read that they were going to do a villain spinoff with Lloyd. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Well, because he's fun chaos. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like watching The Joker, except probably a lot more fun (laughs) and maybe less dancing. I don't know. Slightly less dancing. Either way, someone's dying. Exactly. So I think yeah. we did a great job, guys. I'm sorry we didn't live up to it, Shane, uh, of, of your high praise. But I think that that shows exactly what the scores look like on this movie, where, you know, uh, you know the, the people are into it, 90% Rotten Tomato audience score. And then, you know, maybe the more, you know, critical people who don't take their brains and put them in jars or whatever you were saying you do. Uh, when you yeah. watch movies, uh, maybe had a little bit more uh, of a question on this. I'm surprised. I'd be interested to know if the book matches up to what they did, how they kind of adjusted that in the adaptation. But that is for another day because that'll be the end of our episode today. I got to still say, man, I'd rather watch uh, the last, the finale of The Old Man over The Gray Man over uh, that. How about, how you feel about that, Shane? Yeah, you like that? Yeah, I caught up with that bad boy. That's a spy story. I still buddy. have to catch up. I'll take it. I'll take it. I can't talk to you right now. The way now. they set that up. You you don't love the old man? You sang its praises last week. No, I do. I do. We'll get into it. I do. I do. That was a great. We'll, we'll talk to him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to me, I think, especially after these were two of the more anticipated movies, TV is definitely kicking movies ass this year. Agreed. That's all I'm saying. So far, so good. But, of course, you know, we got the whole Oscar season and whatever big stuff they put down towards the holidays. So we will see. But that is it for us today. Next week, we get to do something a little fun, guys. We're not doing the big review stuff. We're going to do a movie draft, the first one we've ever done, uh, with our buddy John Amenta from Pina Comics. Or, excuse me. Nope. Uh, I'm sorry. The Pint uh, will be... On the show, we're going to do the 1997 movies draft. So I'm really looking forward to that. I've always wanted to do one of these. And it'll be cool that we get to do the four of us 
doing <laughs> confusing the hell out of Chris because he's never done even a fantasy sport draft. So if I say, yeah, nope. we're doing a snake order, he's going to be like, cool, who dies from the venom? Do I have to suck anything out? He's going to be very confused. Uh, so be sure to come back next week when we do that. And be sure to subscribe, like, give us all the praise that Shane gave to the gray man, but put it on maybe Apple Podcasts and come back for more recent activity. See you next week.